Stand up, stand up. Let's all stand together and sing. Let's talk about Jesus. I want to hear you sing it like you mean it now. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's talk about Jesus, the King, the King of kings is He, the Lord of lords supreme throughout each earth. The great I am, the great I am, the way, the truth, the life, the door. Let's talk about Jesus more and more. Awesome job. I want everybody to bow your heads with me tonight. Nobody looking now. Father, thank you for the time this evening. For the opportunity that you've presented to us on a Wednesday night to come study and hear from heaven. Lord, I pray your blessings upon our Awana program tonight. May you bless each young person, each teacher. Thank you, Lord, for their dedication, taking time to prepare for tonight. I pray that you'd bless them. Lord, bless our time here in the sanctuary, our, our, our Bible study, and all the things that will take place. We'll exalt you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can I have you three girls right up here to the front for me, please? Come here. Yep, yeah, that's you, baby. All right. Yes, you can. And, and you grab the Bible right there, baby girl. All right. As always, on Wednesday nights, we do this VBS style. All right. So, uh, baby doll, hold that American flag up nice and high for me, please. That a girl. Put your hand over your heart. When we get to that under God, you shout it out like you mean it. Here we go. Ready? Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag. job. Ren, step up there, baby doll. Step up there so we can see you. Hold that Christian flag way up. Ready? Pledge. I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag. seated cubbies you can head on out i need everybody back in here at quarter till tonight so i'm gonna let you go straight out quarter till this evening uh, uh sparks you can head right behind them sparks head out this evening come on big guy all right tnt right behind them come on songbook tonight let's all stand together page 169 come thou fount we'll do all three verses page 169 tonight come thy fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace streams of mercy never ceasing 
calls for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon and mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come. And I know by thy good pleasure, safely I'll arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take it, seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Thank you, Brother Ken. Love that song this evening. Thank you for being here on this Wednesday night. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple of quick, quick requests, and then we'll pray for, pray for Sister Margaret Bocock, uh, one of our shut-ins. I've been over to visit her several times in the hospital, uh, and she's got pneumonia, having a difficult time. Pray for her, if you would, and uh, some specials that were shared with me this evening. Let's open up in prayer together. Lord, we love you tonight, and we count it a privilege, Lord, to be in your house. Lord, I, I say all the time, I sure don't take for granted the fact that doors are open. Folks are here tonight, ready to open up the Word of God, study, and learn. So, Lord, I pray that you'd grant us that very thing this evening. May we come tonight with open hearts, our mouths wide, ready to receive the blessings from heaven. Lord, bless our Awana program again. Thank you for those folks. Uh, we'll praise you for all that you do for us in Christ's name. Amen. Brother Ken, let's have a song of fellowship. Amen. Page 173, Love Lifted Me. We'll do that first verse with the course. Fellowship for a few moments. Page 173. sinking deep in sin far from the peaceful shore very deeply stained within seeking to rise no more but the master of the sea her mighty sparing cry from the waters lifted me now safe am I love lifted me love lifted me when nothing else could help Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Amen. Fellowship of Wild Teens will be in class tonight.
All right. Thank you so much. Some quick announcements tonight. Uh, don't forget, ladies, uh, anyone that can be with us tomorrow night, ladies, teen girls, young adult girls, uh, meeting here at the church at 6 o'clock. Uh, uh, several things you'll be talking about, including the upcoming Ladies' Jubilee. And then this coming weekend, uh, the couples painting class by Sister Elgin uh, will be done at the Old Bassett High School, $20 per person. You pay there. Lots of folks have asked about that. You pay there. That's open to the community, but we've got a sign-up sheet for any of our folks that are going. Looks like we've got a bunch of couples who are going. And then a lot of you know Dawn Steele uh, Davis. I want you to pray for her. She's got to have some surgery, so uh, lift her up in prayer if you would. Fellas, make your way down tonight. Congregation, open your Bibles to the book of Joshua, please, this evening, if you would, please. The book of Joshua tonight, we're going to get into the Word of the Lord uh, this evening and continuing our study that we've been investigating, talking about obtaining spiritual victory, claiming our spiritual victory. Josh, take us to the throne of grace, if you would, pray for the offering this evening. Dear Heavenly Father God, we come to you tonight, Lord. We want to thank you most of all for sending your son to die for us, Lord. And Lord, we thank you. Lord, I pray that, you'll, that our hearts will never take that for granted, God. And Lord, I pray that it will never lose its power in this, in this world that we live in. Lord, I pray that you'll be with Brother Greg as he brings us the message tonight, Lord. I pray that it would be what uh, you have for us. Lord, I pray that you'll open our hearts and minds to be receptive of the word, Lord. And Lord, I pray this offering will be what you'd have it to be. And I pray that it will further your kingdom in the way that you see fit. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The book of Joshua, thank you, Mr. Name. It's Lisa, the book of Joshua tonight. Chapter number five is where we will begin. We'll be looking at chapter number five and chapter number six as we continue our study about claiming spiritual victory, looking at specific passages from the book of Joshua. Tonight, we're going to look at and examine what is, in my opinion, one of the most unusual encounters that happens in Scripture coupled with one of the strangest plans or commandments that is given in Scripture. On Sunday morning, we talked about what happens when the Lord said, and the manna ceased. And so now the Israelites, as they've crossed over the Jordan River, they're preparing to enter into the promised land after 40 years of wilderness wandering. And the first thing that they encounter is that great walled city named what, church? Jericho. We all have in our minds, I think, what Jericho may have looked like or must have looked like. I want to tell you that, in candid, and to be very frank with you, it is probably much, much larger and much, much more impenetrable than most of us could possibly imagine. Uh, you don't have to be a biblical archaeologist to believe Scripture, but it's always fascinating to me when biblical archaeology backs up Scripture as exactly as it's mentioned in the Bible. And one of the things that has been discovered with biblical archaeology is just how massive and strong and seemingly impenetrable Joshua faced when he saw Jericho. 
Let me give you a quick little 30-second history lesson, if I can. As they crossed over that Jordan River, came to that great walled city of Jericho, uh, which was by all accounts the largest city in Canaan and seemingly the most impenetrable of all the cities. It did not have just one wall, but in fact was, we know now, a double-walled city. What does that mean? By all accounts, it was an incredibly well-built city surrounded by two massive stone walls, an outer wall that was six feet thick and some 20 feet high, and an inner wall that was 12 feet thick and 30 feet high, and there was a 15-foot guarded walkway between these two walls. What does that matter? It matters, I almost had in the back of my mind the speech from last night, build that wall. That's a whole separate story. What, 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 what matters in regards to what you're seeing is a city that by all accounts seems to be impenetrable. I want you to put yourself in Joshua's position. You know that you've been commanded to go into the promised land. You know that the Israelites have been commanded, if you'll allow me to say this, to actually take over the promised land, to destroy and to defeat everything that they encounter. But the first obstacle you encounter now that you've gotten across the Jordan River is this city of Jericho. Joshua doesn't know how to defeat this city. How do we know that? Because he sends the spies in to see Rahab to try to figure out the whole situation. Rahab sends the spies back out. Uh, They've got the plan as to what's going to happen to Rahab when the city falls. But at this point, Joshua still does not know how to defeat this walled city. So I want you to notice in chapter number 5, what begins to happen there in the last few clauses or the last few verses. Read with me in verse number 13. Notice what Scripture says. came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. Let me ask you a question, church, and you can speak out loudly if you want. If you are Joshua and you see somebody standing beside this city that you're about to destroy, and that person has got a sword drawn, what is the first thing you're going to think? That man is your enemy. First thing you're going to think in your mind is, good golly, Miss Molly, they've already sent out somebody to defeat and destroy us. That leads Joshua to ask the question that he says in verse 13. Joshua said unto him, or Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? May I paraphrase it? He says, Yo, man, you on our side or their side? That's a two part question, or rather a two answer question. You got two choices A, you're on our side, B, you're on their side. Look at the response, verse number 14. He said, Nay. Can I pause a minute and say that won't one of the choices? The choices were, are you on our side or are you on their side? And he said, nay. But as captain of the host of the Lord, Lord's in all capital letters, you ought to circle it there. I am I now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord Unto his servant. The captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot. 
For the place whereon thou standest is holy, and Joshua did so. The first thing that had to be destroyed in order for the Israelites to possess, remember, stay with me, Jordan River, two and a half tribes of of Israel on this side, nine and a half on this side with the tribe of Levi sprinkled throughout because they're the Levitical priesthood. Two and a half tribes have settled over here. Joshua commands that the men continue to fight. The women and children and oxen can stay, but the men have to continue to fight as they subdue the rest of the promised land. And the first thing they encounter is Jericho. And I can almost imagine Joshua standing and looking at that giant walled city that seemed to be impenetrable and perhaps thinking to himself, Now, Lord... If we're going to take the rest of the promised land, how do we get through that? How do we defeat and tackle that? I want to remind you folks that the metaphor, the symbolism behind the promised land that is applicable to us as New Testament Christians is not heaven. But rather the promised land for us is this place of spiritual victory. That awaits and is possible for everybody that knows the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give it to you another way. I believe that there are plenty of people who've been called out of Egypt. They've been saved, but they're still wandering in a spiritual desert. They're still wandering, never attaining that place of spiritual victory. And for many of us, the reason that we never get deeper and further into the blessings of God is because there are those obstacles that are standing in front of us that we just can't destroy. What are we talking about? You don't have to say amen, but let's be honest. For some Christians, it is a, it is a spirit of bitterness that eats away at them. Let's be clear. If you're in church for any length of time, let me give you a little deep news flash here that's got a lot of theology behind it. Stay in church and work in church any length of time, you're going to get hurt. Amen. You're going to get hurt. And oftentimes, church hurts are the worst hurts there are. Hear me what I'm about to say. Please do not let the enemy take church hurts and rob you of the joy of your salvation. Please do not allow the enemy to take those painful experiences that can happen in the service of the Lord and let that destroy that joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. I have folks in my own family that I love dearly that seemingly cannot get past things that happened to them 30 years ago in a church somewhere. Would you look at me and listen, the only person that's getting hurt by that bitterness is that person. For some folks, it's not bitterness, it's sin. You understand this is not going to be popular and get a lot of amens, but you understand that it's entirely possible to be saved and still be beset by a sin you just cannot get past. For some folks, yes, they've been brought out of Egypt. Yes, they've been born again. But the enemy just continues to control them with the presence of that sin in their lives. And it is that obstacle that keeps them from going deeper and deeper into the promised land. For some, it might be a person, a friend, a relation that stands larger than God in their eyes. 
For others, it is simply an attitude that is holding us back from enjoying the blessings of God. Whatever it is, listen to what I'm about to say. Whatever it is, the enemy will use it to prevent us from going deeper and enjoying the blessings that God has to offer. Give it to you another way. I, I, I'm not, I don't like when I say this, but here's the rub of it. There are some folks that have been saved 25, 30, 40 years and haven't had a good day yet. Amen. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not minimizing burdens. I'm not minimizing problems. I'm not minimizing challenges that we face. But you also understand that there are believers out there that you get around them and you need an antidepressant. Amen. Listen very carefully what I'm saying to you. God did not save us to be miserable. He did not save us to leave us in the pig pit of sin. And he did not save us uh, to destroy those around us. He saved us that we might bring up and envelop those around us. Our enemy uses the Jerichos of our life to prevent us from enjoying his blessings. So how do we get past it? How do we tear down those walls? How do we get past those obstacles? I'm going to give you three things, only one of them tonight, I think. Number one, we've got to recognize, understand, and acknowledge the supremacy of God. Why does that matter? When you recognize, understand, and acknowledge the supremacy of God, then you recognize, understand, and acknowledge that that God is the God of the hurt that you're experiencing right now. That means uh, that God is allowing you to go through this experience, this pain, in order that you might get something out of it. One of my favorite passages. We always talk about it, and I think this is such a misnomer, but we talk about the patience of Job. Job didn't start out a patient man, folks. And who can blame him? I mean, Job lost everything except his wife. And his wife gets a lot of criticism. Uh, but he also, I want to remind you, his wife lost everything as well. His wife buried her children and lost her name and lost her home and lost everything. Uh, so forgive them both if they're a little bit confused as to what's going on right now. Job uh, comes to the realization that God is going to teach him something. But you look at the book of Job, that book of poetry, and over and over and over, Job says, I don't get this. I don't understand. This doesn't make sense to me. But he gets to the point where he says, naked I was when I came into the world. I can be naked when I go out of here. But Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can I paraphrase it? Job comes to the realization that the God that was so good at the beginning of chapter 1 when everything was good is the same God that's good at 30 chapters later when everything's falling apart. Same God. So what does it matter? Well, I want you to notice that according to verse number 13, there is a supreme person. Verse 13 says, came to pass, we've read it, but let's read it again. Came to pass... When Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes, and looked, behold, there was a man. Behold, over against him, with a sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went unto him and said, Art thou for us, or for our adversaries? He said, Nay. And then he identifies himself as the captain of the host of the Lord. 
If you underline in your Bibles, I'd encourage you to underline that clause, Captain of the Host of the Lord. And I would also encourage you to circle that word, Lord. You've been in this church any length of time. You've heard me. You've heard James. You've heard other preachers talk about it. The fact that the word, Lord, is in all capitals matters. It means that in the original, it was the name Yahweh. The name that was so sacred, so holy, so special to the Jews, they would not even write it, they would not speak it, and even still when they write it out, they leave the vowels out because it is so sacred and so holy. We translated it into the word Jehovah, and in our King James Bible, it's translated into all capital letters, Lord, and this person calls himself the captain of the host of the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you Gregology on this, but I think I'm right, and there's plenty of biblical evidence that backs it up. I think... What Joshua is experiencing is what we call today a Christophany, a one-on-one encounter with Jesus Christ before he was ever born a baby in Bethlehem. Everybody in the building understands that Jesus did not have his earthly beginning in Bethlehem. Now, that's when he was born a baby, but he's always been. Now, there are other biblical scholars who will not agree with me on that. That's okay. They have every right to be wrong. Amen. (laughs) But you understand that there are plenty of evidence in Scripture where there are Christophanies, where uh, 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 the angel of the Lord, or in this case, the the, the captain of the host of the Lord, has a one-on-one encounter with an individual. So let me pause a moment and give you what I think is the most important application of the night. We will never get deep, deep, deep into the blessings of God until we've had that one-on-one encounter with God and he's changed our life. We call it today being saved. We call it today being born again. What does it matter here? What I'm about to say, we can try every self-help book. We can try every program. And I'm for many of them. Many of them are faith-based. But underlining every faith-based program is faith. And underlining every one of these step programs is a relationship with Jesus Christ. In order to get things right, we got to be right. So there's a supreme person. But beyond that... I want you to notice this strange conversation that happens. Because not only is there a supreme person, but this person exhibits supreme power. How do we know that? Well, he says, or, or, or rather, yeah, he says, and Joshua does a total of very strange, three very strange things. The first one is this conversation that happens. And I totally get why Joshua asked why he said what he did. I mean, I get completely why Joshua would see that man standing there with his sword drawn and say, whoa, 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 whoa. You on our side or theirs? I mean, as Joshua is probably standing there by the the, the Jericho thinking, good night, how are we going to tackle this? Good night, this is big. Good night, how are we going to handle this? And then all of a sudden, seemingly from out of nowhere, he sees this person drawn with a sword out, and Joshua goes, hold up right there, buddy. Are you on our team or their team? You on our side or their side? And the answer that the captain of the host of the Lord gives is astounding. He doesn't say our side, your side. He says no. That's not a choice. That's not answer C. There was no D, all of the above. It was either A or B, and he says no, but he doesn't stop there. Notice, keep reading with me. He said nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am 
I now come. (laughs) It's almost as if he says, no, Joshua, I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. You're standing here, Joshua, looking heavenward, saying, God, how are we going to fix this? How are we going to do this? And God says, here I am. Amen. You're standing here, Joshua, saying, Lord, I don't get this. Lord, I don't know how to do this. Lord, I can't figure this out. Lord, this doesn't make sense to me. Lord, I need you to give me a sign. And God says, here's your sign. I'm here. Now let me pause a moment and say, what an awesome God we serve. What an incredibly giving God that we serve. If you're like me, you can look back over instances in your own life where you were times of indecision, places where you didn't know which way to turn, and God somehow does something miraculous that clues you in onto what his perfect will is for your life. Can I just pause a moment and say to you that at that moment, what Joshua is being told to do is surrender to God's will. I'm going to tell you, we're blunt here. If I'm Joshua, I want, I want to figure it out in my head. I want it to make sense to me. Now, I know a lot of you don't like that, but I will just tell you candidly, as a man, I have a bit of a stubborn streak. Don't say a word. I have a bit of a stubborn streak because I want things done my way on my schedule and how I like it. Men, that's the reason God made us fellas. Say amen right there. Thank you, son. It's the reason you're single. Amen. <laughs> what a lesson for us as a church, folks. I have to tell you, I'm being, I'm, being, I'm being candid here. I don't like it when I don't understand it. I want to understand it. I want to be able to figure it out. I want to know what the next, not just the next step is. I want to know the next 27 steps. And I want the time frame behind the next 27 steps. So understand that when, when he says, uh, nay, but as captain of the Lord, so here, I'm here, I got this thing figured out. What does he say next? Look at the next clause, if you would. Verse number 15. Captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. If you got a bookmarker, put it right there. Flip back a couple of pages and flip to the book of Exodus, please, chapter 3. We want to juxtapose this between the conversation that I think the same Christophany had with Moses. Exodus chapter 3, verse 5. The same Christophany, the same pre-incarnate Christ, had with Moses, Exodus chapter 3, verse number 5. He said, draw not, he is the Christophany, the Lord speaking. He said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from thy feet for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Do you see the difference? Yes, no, maybe so. Do you see the difference? In Exodus chapter 3, he said, take off your shoes from off your feet. But the place when thou standest is holy ground. Go back to Joshua. He does not say the exact same thing. He has a different commandment here now for Joshua. In fact, what he says in verse 15 is, Loose thy shoe 
from off thy foot. The place where thou standest is holy ground. Why the difference? Why the difference? The end result is still the same, it would seem. They're on holy ground. But to Joshua, he says, take off one shoe. But to Moses, he says, take off both. Again, put your little bookmarker there. Turn with me, please, very quickly to the book of Ruth, chapter number 4. Because I believe what you're seeing played out in front of us is a beautiful Jewish ritual or a Jewish covenant, a promise, an exchange that we see also typified in the book of Ruth. I've preached this book several times. You know the story. Ruth is a Moabitess woman. She's called the eye of her kinsman redeemer, Boaz. Boaz falls in love with her. Beautiful picture of the love of God has for the church. Boaz wants to purchase Ruth. But it comes to Boaz's attention that there is a nearer kinsman who's got first rights to Ruth. So Boaz goes to this nearer kinsman and says, based upon Jewish law, you have rights to Ruth. She's yours if you want her. And then notice what happens. Chapter 4, verse number 6. Let's go to verse 5. Verse 5, it said, Boaz, what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead from his inheritance. The kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Everybody with me? This nearer kinsman said, I can't purchase her. I can't do all of the things that the law requires. Therefore, you now have the right. I can't, Boaz, but you can. In verse number 7, now this was the manner, or we might say the custom or the ritual. Former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was a testimony in Israel. So when the nearer kinsman, who is unnamed, says, I can't do this, Boaz, who is a representative of Christ, but you can, and he plucks off his shoe as a custom or as a sign, he gives that shoe to Boaz and says, I can't, you can. So now, in the book of Joshua, when this Christophany commands Joshua to pluck off his shoe, I believe that with simple obedience, Joshua is saying the same thing. Lord, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I can't. You can. I know a lot of believers who've spent 20, 25, 30 years trying to, in and of themselves, conquer bitterness, conquer sin, conquer defeat. Would you look at me? One of the great lessons I've learned in my young life is there are so many times where we can't, but God can. We cannot do it. But by golly, God can. How do I know that? Turn back to Joshua and we're done. Here's the third thing that I think is just staggering. Not only does he say nay, but I'm here to take over. Then he tells Joshua to pluck off his feet, or pluck the shoe off his feet. And then he says, verse 14, Joshua, in the middle of the phrase there, Joshua 
fell on his face to the earth and did worship. And did worship. Now, I got to remind you, Joshua has been, prior to his ascension in command, he's been the top dog soldier. Joshua has for 40 years been a soldier. I don't need to tell you, when you've served your whole life in the military, it's going to be hard to get that military out of you. Amen. He's a tried and true military man, if you will. But he comes into a one-on-one encounter with the captain of the Lord's host who says, I'm here to take over, and Joshua does what for a general is unimaginable. And by, you understand, that may not seem like a big deal. But by kneeling, Joshua is sticking his, literally. You know we get the phrase, sticking your neck out? Sticking your neck out. Because for a hand-to-hand combat, this is the most vulnerable position. Head down, you can't see what's in front of you. You are easily exposed and can be instantly decapitated. We get that. We know that. So the place of great defense is to stay standing with your sword drawn. But Joshua does the unimaginable. He bows to the ground, kneels, and worships. It's another reason why I think this is not just some random angel. This is Jesus Christ. This is a Christophany. You know what's about to happen. In fact, we're going to read it real quickly before we close tonight. I entitled the message tonight, uh, Meeting the Man with the Plan. Meeting the Man with the Plan. Because what's about to happen next is, listen, after Joshua kneels, the captain says, now here's what we're going to do. You understand that the captain could have said that before Joshua knelt? You understand that he could have showed up and said, Hey, Joshua, I'm from the Lord. Here's how we're going to handle this. But I believe he was waiting on Joshua to assume the position of submission and surrender, which says, Lord, I can't. You can. you got to handle this. I don't know how to do it. And then God says, Now, I'll take over. One of the lessons that I've learned in my life is after I've thoroughly made a mess... Don't leave me hanging on a spiritual limb. After I've thoroughly made a mess of things, and I look up to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to take over. How much better things would have been if I'd have asked him to do that before I made the mess. So now Joshua agrees. And notice what happens quickly, and we'll be done tonight, chapter chapter 6. Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. That's interesting. We'll talk about that later. The Lord said unto Joshua, See, I've given unto thine hand Jericho, the king thereof, mighty men of valor. You shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. This shalt do six days. In other words, march around the city one time for six days. Quietly. No rigmarole. Just march around. Seven priests shall bear before the ark, seven trumpets of ram's horns. Seventh day. Shall compass the city seven times. The priest shall blow with the trumpets. All of this has deep, rich meaning, which we'll look at next. Shall come to pass that when you make a long blast, the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, 
All the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. The people shall ascend up every man straight before him. I'll close tonight because I've always thought in the back of my mind, Joshua now has the great blessing of going to tell everybody, here's the plan. <laughs> Y'all see that big walled city up there? Here's how we're going to defeat it. And then he outlines it. And I can just imagine there were some Baptists, uh, some Israelites, who looked at each other and thought, you've got to be kidding me. That's how we're going to defeat this city? That's the plan? We need a new leader. But Joshua wasn't doing Joshua's plan. Joshua was executing God's plan. Every one of you know what happens. Every one of you know the story. Again, I'll close with Gregology. I think if they had dipped a little bit of it, nothing would have worked. It had to be all God's way or it wasn't going to work. I'm done. In your home life, it's got to be God's way or it's not going to work. Your spiritual life, your devotion life, your marriage life, your child rearing life, it's got to be God's way. Or it's not going to work. Father, thank you for the study tonight. For the reminder to us. The beautiful story of Joshua and the wall of Jericho. But Lord, more importantly, the reminder to all of us. If we're going to have your best. If we're going to get deeper into the blessings of God. If we're going to enjoy spiritual victory. Then we must surrender ourselves to you. We must be in a position, Lord, where we recognize your supremacy and our own inadequacies. Lord, we must literally stretch our neck out and let you take up the sword and fight the battles of faith for us. Lord, for many of us, myself included, that ain't easy. Lord, we like to be in control. We like to do things our way. Our flesh likes to have its own way. Well, that's a recipe for disaster and a recipe for failure. So, Lord, as we continue to study this important series, help us to recognize the necessity of turning everything over to you and, Lord, allowing you to lead us as the captain of the Lord's host. Bless us now as we go into this part of our service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.